Okay, so we are in week three of our series called Promised Land. Uh, one of the ideas and the truth that birthed this series was so many people that I've seen through my life. We were talking about this with our staff one day. Uh, the best they can imagine their lives is living miracle to miracle. Miracles are awesome. Miracles are great. We have a God of miracles. He supplies miracles. I'm not trying to downplay the miraculous at all. But so many of us, the best we can imagine is living miracle to miracle and just seeing God, sometimes even in the last minute, in the 11th hour, supplying the need miraculously, kind of like the children of Israel in the desert. If God did not bring manna from heaven every morning, those poor people would have starved. They complained about the manna. They said they wanted meat. Had God not sent quail from the bushes, they would never have had meat. If he had not given them water from the rock, they wouldn't have drank. But do you know, the wilderness was not the promised land. The promised land was a land flowing with milk and honey. However, as soon as the children of Israel entered the promised land, there was some work to be done. Right Now, I'm not talking about at all, especially not with the children of Israel, the completed work of Christ. That is a done deal for the believer. That is not something we have to work for. We cannot earn our salvation. We cannot earn his favor. We cannot earn his affection. That is a completed work. But like the children of Israel, we can't just sit around in a room and, and expect to walk and experience the abundance of God. Why not? Because the promised land is a place that uh, exists on the promise and the laws of seed time and harvest time. In the wilderness, they saw God supply, but it was kind of like living paycheck to paycheck. If the manna didn't show up, they would have gone hungry. In fact, the day the manna stopped showing up was the day they went into the promised land. Uh, those two things went hand in hand probably for a reason. If we don't go do this, we might not eat later. Because as soon as they entered... They began a life of having to plant seed and harvest fields. The food came from that. But the Bible promises, and what they experience, what we experience, is that God's supernatural abundance is applied to everything we do. That when we put our hands to something, they, it will prosper. So a lot of time we're not seeing God's abundance because we're not putting our hand to something. We're just leaving it out like this, open, waiting for the miracle. And God will fill your hands because he's that good. But he's saying, do you want more? Do you want to be able to abound to every good work? Put your hand to something and watch it prosper. Man, have you ever seen a need and this thought reaches, it hits your brain, I wish I could meet that need for this person. And maybe the next thought is I'm just not able right now. Well, that's not the Lord. We are called to meet those needs. We're called to do that. In fact, my friend Ashley, who was here three weeks ago, made a bold statement. He said, if the best you can imagine, and if all you want is in life is enough for you to get by, enough for you and your family, that is very selfish, disguised as humility. As a believer, God has provided us and given us, in Deuteronomy it says this, the power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant upon the earth. Man, we are called and have the opportunity to walk in an abundant supply, so much so that our family is supplied for with more than enough, and we are able to then abound to every good work and don't go be those miracles for the people still living in the wilderness or the people still living in Egypt as slaves. 
That is what we're called to believe, to, to experience as believers. It's called the promised land. Every one of us have a chance to enter that place. So picking up from that place last week, I'm going to talk today about Joshua and Caleb. If you don't know this story, a million and a half, I guess it's estimated, people, children of Israel, left Egypt, right? Uh, you can picture it. There was, there was uh, uh, plagues. It was the miraculous. They walked through the sea, completely parted. They walked through on dry land. It swallowed the armies. They, they were led through the desert, cloud by day, fire by night. They were there for 40 years, wandering, living as nomadic people before they entered the promised land. It was only two people, however, that left Egypt, that entered the promised land. It was Joshua and Caleb. All the rest of those folks died in the wilderness, including Moses. They were all supposed to walk in, but only two did. Why? What set Joshua and Caleb apart? What made them different? Because we can take these truths from their life, apply them to our life as New Testament, New Covenant believers, and just like they entered their promised land, we will see ourselves walk into the promise that God has made us, walk in the abundant supply that his word tells us about, walking in all those promises us guys sang about a couple weeks ago, all those promises that are yes and amen. We will see them active and, 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 and producing fruit in our lives as we apply these three principles, three if you're taking notes, from Joshua and Caleb's life. going to jump right into it with Joshua 1.8. It's a verse that a lot of you probably know by heart. If you don't, learn it by heart because it's just as relevant to the New Testament believer as it is to the folks that lived here before Jesus. Joshua 1.8. This is instruction straight from God to Joshua. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Okay, did Joshua have the Bible like we have now? No. No, he didn't. But he had scripture. He had scripture and he had the law written down. And God says, if you study it and obey it, meditate on it, you'll prosper and succeed in all you do. Now, how much more? How much more will we experience with this full revelation of the Word of God than Joshua with only part of the story? Joshua did not have the benefit of knowing or understanding. Maybe he did a little bit prophetically, but he didn't know about Jesus, that he was going to come exactly the way he did live for us, die for us, forgive us, of our, forgive us of our sins. He was wounded and we were healed. He was beaten and we were forgiven. He went to the grave, left all that sickness there, left all that sin there, resurrected for us, made a way for us to commune with the Father any second we want during the day, any time we make ourselves available. He only had part of the story. And with only part of the story, God said, if you read it, meditate on it, you'll obey it. And if you obey it, you will prosper and succeed in all you do. That is a truth. And for us that have a full revelation on the word of God, even more so. That's powerful. So take some inventory and don't feel condemned. Am I succeeding in everything I do? Am I prospering in everything I do? If the answer is yes, 
that's awesome. And if it's no, then maybe this is not being studied or meditated on enough. And can it be that simple? Yes. Has it ever worked with you making it complicated? And if the answer is no, then maybe throw out that thing you've been trying your entire life, making things complicated, and just go back to simple. Come on. I got to be honest, in my own life, when my notes for messages are really long with lots of parts and confusing, I don't know why I, 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 I try that occasionally with lots of moving parts in my notes because it just messes me up in moments like this. When my notes end up being like seven or eight sentences, it always feels remarkably better. This is an example in my own life. So many times in life, we'll find out if we make something simple, we will see it succeed so much greater. So make it simple. Study this and meditate on it so you will obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. So step one, one thing that made Joshua and Caleb different from everybody else is they knew the report of the Lord and seemed like other people didn't. This is the report of the Lord. And what it says is the final say-so. What it says carries so much more weight than any other report. And Joshua and Caleb knew it. And there's evidence to show us that they knew it. I'm going to jump into that. In Numbers chapter 13, this is verses 27 through 33. The backstory is they had just gotten to the promised land. So the children of Israel, a million-something people, are on the border of this land that God promised them, that told them to go live in this land. It's where Abraham was from. It's where uh, Jacob and, and, and his children lived before they went to Egypt. And, and a million-plus people are sitting there on the border and they send out 12 spies, 12 mighty men, brave men, send them into the city, send them into the promised land, and they say, go scout it out. Tell us what we're looking at. Tell us what you see. So they come back, all 12 of them. Here's what the first 10 spies said. We entered the land you sent us to explore. They're telling Moses this. It is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. They brought back some fruit, uh, giant fruit. It was big. It was good. And they brought it back to show them. We can stop right there because th for a second, God told them that's what they would find. So already they enter this land that they had never been. None of these people were there when Abraham lived there. This was their first time seeing this land. They walk in and something they immediately notice is, wow, this is everything you told me it would be. You would think that would build the faith up a little bit, right? Wow, you told me this would be here, and it is. This was before the internet. They couldn't Google this and say, is Canaan filled with milk and honey? Siri, is Canaan filled with milk and honey? Siri, is, is Canaan a land that's luscious? Is, is there, they didn't know that. They were literally following a cloud and a fire in the night following Moses, going somewhere they've never been, never heard of, never seen pictures of, never Googled, never any of that. This was blind faith. Yet when they got there, the first thing they noticed and reported was, oh my gosh, it's exactly, exactly what God said it was going to be. In fact, he said it in Exodus 3, verses 8. This is 40, or not 40 years really, but this is, this is, Earlier, this is before the before 40 years when they get back. This is but earlier, 
This is what God says in Exodus 3.8. This is before this. I've come down to rescue them, talking to Moses from the burning bush. I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. That's what they said. Indeed, flowing with milk and honey. And then God says this. It's the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. A lot of sites but they all live there. So here's the next thing these spies report. Fast forward, they're back telling Moses after the spy, they said, it's flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful. Their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. It was the descendants of Anak. It was the Amalekites. It was the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites. They all live there in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. Again, if you remember what God said in Exodus, it's exactly the same. He said it's flowing with milk and honey, and they said, check, it's flowing with milk and honey. He said, all these people live there, but I've given it to you. They said, and all these people live there. They are still confirming the report of the Lord. They are saying it's exactly, exactly. They couldn't Google it and say, do the Hittites, Perizzites, Jebusites, all these people live in Canaan. They get there and they see it is exactly what God says. It is exactly who God says. And then for some reason, the final part of the report of the Lord was walk in and take it. I've given it to you. Yet these guys say, we can't do it. In fact, we'll get down to this verse, but their exact report is they are giants and they think we are grasshoppers. They could stomp us out in a second. There's no way we can defeat them. Joshua and Caleb knew that's where these guys were going with this because Caleb interrupts them. Caleb interrupts them and he says, it says, Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. So get the picture of this. There's all these people. They're eagerly awaiting these spies to give their report. And they say, it's full of milk and honey. And everybody says, oh, man, it's exactly what God said. And all these people live there. Oh, yeah, it's exactly what God said. And Caleb knows that the next thing these spies are going to say is, but we can't do it. So he interrupts as everybody's talking, everybody's murmuring. They're all getting freaked out about these giants that live in the land. And Caleb jumps in. And before they can say anything negative, he says, let's go at once and take the land. We can certainly conquer it. Because that was the report of the Lord. And Caleb knew it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. God didn't say anything about be worried because they're stronger than you. He said, here's who lives there. Go take it. So those 10 spies spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. This is what they said. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants. It was the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. Of course, I've said this recently, so I'm just going to say it really quickly. 40 years later, when they get back to the promised land, they encounter this lady named Rahab. And she says, 40 years ago, when y'all got here, we were shaking in our boots. We knew that God had given you this land. And we knew if you just walked through our gates, you would defeat every one of us. 
So this report wasn't just a lie based on the report of the Lord. They're sitting here saying, we couldn't take this land. The people within the land were saying, sorry, nothing we can do. Their God has given them this land and they're going to take it from us. Man, can you imagine the regret you would have felt 40 years later hearing, I could have led my family into this land. I could have done this. I could have had everything God said I could have had if I'd have just listened to his full report. They got the report down. They just forgot about the last part. It's flowing with milk and honey. These people live there. Go take it. They said it's flowing with milk and honey. These people live there. However, they would defeat us and devour us if we tried. It just doesn't matter. Sometimes, uh, even if there's a good report, people act on whatever report we believe, right? You, you, your actions are based on what you believe, honestly, not even what is true in the natural. Uh, this is kind of funny, but I was thinking about this this morning in my office. A few years ago, we, we got home, my family, if, if you don't know me, I got two kids, Ava and Judah, and my wife, Lisa, who normally leads worship, but was with the kids today in children's church. She's in Awesome children's pastor. Awesome children's worker. Uh, we got home one night, and there was this black, this king snake, black king snake on our front steps. And Lisa saw it, and man, her and the kids just ran the other way. I tried to explain, this isn't dangerous at all. It's just a king snake. He's probably more scared of us. And, and so I kind of put my foot up close, and he, he slithered off the steps. And, and my report was the snake is gone, guys. He's in the bushes. We can go up the stairs to our front door now. Do you know not one of them would walk up the stairs after that? In fact, they made me walk up the stairs, walk into the front door, walk to our back door, unlock the back door. They chose to walk through our fence, through the dark backyard. It was pretty late where it could have been anything. In fact, there was a family of possums that lived in this tree. I know people think possums are gross, and they, they kind of are, but we would get home, and our, our headlights would shine, and you'd see the possum and its babies just hanging there. It's kind of cute. They chose to walk under the possum tree, through the backyard, into the back door, because the report was the snake is gone, but what they believed, I guess, is that the snake could jump or slither back up the stairs only to then attack them, which that's not even what black king snakes do. But that was the report within their mind. Not only that, it went further. That night when they were all being so goofy about it, I, I guess the algorithm heard me say snake. And on some social media page, it was uh, this video of somebody opening their toilet and there was a snake in the toilet bowl. So my family, who's already freaked out, I decide this is going to be funny. You guys, look at this video. Well, do you know the rest of the week, none of them would even go into the bathroom without me going in first <laughs> to give them a report. And, and logic would not get through to them. I can't tell you how many times I, I eventually sat down and looked Ava, Judah, and Lisa at different times in the eyes and said, guys, there's not going to be any snake in our toilet. It's it's almost impossible. That was just one video. Lisa was so mad. And you showed us on the day the snake was on the front steps. It was a month at least before they all felt comfortable enough to go into a restroom, lift the toilet seat, and do whatever they had to do. The report every time was there is no snake. But in their mind, the big bad snakes were in the toilet and in their bed sheets and under uh, everywhere. But we've all been there in different ways. 
right? We've all been there in different ways. We've all had creative ideas that God has put on the inside of us to bring increase into our own life, to bring increase into other people's lives. In fact, the body of Christ should be the most creative group of people on the earth. I believe if you work for a company, then the ideas that will take that company to the next level are within you. The, the, the solutions to problems are within you. But so many times in life, we back up and we don't take that next step, even though the report of the Lord in Psalms chapter 1, verse 3 says, anything you put your hands to will prosper. We add to it and we say, well, not me, though. Not me. And instead of putting our hand to it and seeing it prosper, we back away. But the full report for the believer is that when you put your hand to something, it will prosper. That's awesome, and that's powerful. And snakes don't go into your toilets. So don't worry about that later if you think about it. I'm so sorry. If anybody gets freaked out, please let me know, because I will laugh so hard <laughs> if you don't use your toilet today, because you're afraid of a toilet snake. <laughs> These 10 spies, though, together, spreading this bad report halted the promise of God in this people's lives for 40 years. For 40 years. And today, we are still halting, halting, stopping the promise of God working in our lives by not knowing, meditating, and having the full report of the Lord on the inside of us. How do you get that report on the inside of you? You've got to put it there. I mean, if somebody, if a doctor hands you a written out report, if you never read it, you just don't know it, right? If he doesn't say it out loud, if they email you the report and you never open the email, there is a report, but you're not reading it. Can it be that simple? Yes, it can be that simple. Has making it complicated ever worked for you? Because making it complicated did not work for this generation of people who were in the desert. Making it complicated did not work for them. And it's not working for me. And when I make things complicated, it is time to remind myself of the simple gospel. And part of that simple gospel is that as a believer filled with the Holy Spirit, having a father who wants to commune with me and be with me on my best day and just as much on my worst day. A savior who has forgiven me. A Holy Spirit who is literally life inside of us. That his desire for us is good. That his thoughts towards us are to give us a, you know it, say it, to give us hope and a future, an expected end. That's the report, that what we put our hands to will prosper. You know, people are prospering, believers, even in areas they're not called to go into. Do you know why? Because when you put your hand to something, it prospers. How much more prosperity will you see when you take some time, hear the voice of the Lord, and start doing the things He has called you to go through, to do? 
Uh, Lisa and I had a phone call one time from a friend of ours. We had just recorded an album. We're, we're worship leaders and songwriters. We'd recorded an album, and a friend of mine had heard part of it, and he called to encourage us. He said, this is really good. I love this music. And then he said, I have a word from the Lord for you. This is going to open up so many doors for you, and, and they're going to be really good, and, and you'll find success. I'm like, this is a good word. And he said, but make sure you only go through the ones that the Lord is opening. And I had this thought, maybe for the first time, that there's times we walk through doors as believers we're never called to go through. And there's times we even see it prosper on the other side because the promise is that we'll prosper. Does that mean God's mad at you if you're out doing, uh, if you're walking down a path he hasn't said this is the best path for you? No, he's not mad. And he's going to do his best, though, and he's going to lead you with his word to get you back in the right place where you will see not just prosperity, but even his abundance in that. Man, we can see that in our lives. Don't just think because something is prospering, though, it's the Lord. Man, I want to be prospering, but I want to be prospering in the areas he's called me to be in as well. That's where we just see like this super abundant flow. Joshua and Caleb were different because they knew the report of the Lord and they declared it with everything they had. They tried to quiet those other folks. John 16, 33 Jesus said this to the disciples, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on the earth, you will have many trials. I think the King James says you will have trouble and sorrow, but take heart because I've overcome the world. So many times when opposition hits us, when we uh, are, are experiencing opposition or when something's not going right, all of a sudden, I can tell you this from experience. I'm not telling this about you really as much as I'm telling it about me. My initial thought in the flesh is something to the nature of, where are you, Lord? Or is this not you? Maybe I should go the other way. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm getting resistance, so maybe this isn't exactly what I'm called to do. You know, I just got a bad doctor's report, so Lord, what is that about? Why are you letting this happen? Why, 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 why? Instead of just going back to the full report. Jesus said, you'll have trouble. Expect it. You'll have trials. Expect it. He's not sending them. God's not sending the trials. He's not sending the trouble. We have trouble because we live in a world we are not of. And we experience opposition because of that world, the fallen world. We experience opposition because there is a real enemy out there. There is a devil out there. And if you are not going the same way as him, you will eventually bump into him. The earth is round. Eventually, if you're going different ways, you cross paths. I'm sorry if you think it's flat. It's not. You know, the reason you can't see super far is because the earth curves. You can see the earth until it curves. It's not flat. That's not what I'm preaching about today. We can talk about it later. But if you are going a different way, an opposite way as the devil, you will cross paths. And that's nothing to be disheartened about. Jesus gave you that report. You'll have trouble. But what is the full report? Fear not, I've given you my peace. I've overcome the world. And he's within you. He's a part of you. That means you are an overcomer. That means that what is on the inside of you is greater than any opposition you face. Keep going. The full report is keep going. You have the victory. You know, years ago... Uh, Actually, just about two years ago, uh, Lisa and I were, were in, in the backyard doing something here at the church. And I mean, I've been here for 30 years of my life. And I've been on this property 
weekly for 30 years of my life and this has never happened. This deer, this buck with big antlers and everything just walked slowly across the parking lot and walked right up to us here in this back field. And he didn't stop. He just kept walking, but he just walked slowly across this entire property. And we just sat there and stared at this buck walking through the neighborhood. And I'm like, man, Lord, what are you showing us? Are you, are you saying something about this? I didn't hear an exact thing from the Lord saying, this is what I meant by sending the deer. But I just opened the word and I looked up all the instances where the word talks about a deer or a doe. And one of the things in the word, David said, you make me leap like a deer. So I looked up what that means. Why do deers leap? What happens when a deer runs and leaps? And one of the things I looked up talked about how fast, how swift these animals move to get away from predators. When they jump, when a deer leaps, though, it actually picks up momentum. And by the time it leaps over these obstacles and hits the ground, it's even going faster than before the obstacle it faced was in front of it. That's awesome. Man, we're made to leap like a deer when there's opposition in front of us. God's saying, don't slow down and turn around. Just leap like a deer and pick up even more momentum as you go right through these things you have victory over. Too many times we stop and stare at the obstacle. What am I going to do now? God says, just go over it. Just go through it. Just go around it. Or we turn around and run the other way. Well, I didn't know there was a mountain in the way. I better turn around. And God says, I am the God, it says in Isaiah, who makes a way through the desert, who makes the road rise up to meet you, who can plow right through that mountain. Just keep going. You're made to leap like a deer. If you don't know the full report, get to know the full report. And how specific can this be for your situation? It can be more specific than you've ever imagined. Not even, I mean, anything in here. This is not generic. If you are dealing with a sickness and it says, by the stripes you are healed, it includes whatever you are dealing with. You don't need a scripture that says, by his stripes, cancer is healed. If it's cancer, no, you're healed by the stripes of Jesus. You don't need a word that says COVID-19 is healed. You have that word. It's that specific. When it says you are healed of every disease, it says you are healed of every disease. Sometimes, however, it gets so specific, it can get a little scary. About seven years ago, right before my dad died, the Lord put some big vision in Lisa's heart, in my heart, and I got to be honest, we were a little bit freaked out about it. It looked really big, but that's a good place to be. Because if you have a big vision, if God's given it to you, that is one of the signs that it's from God. Because he does not give you a vision that you could ever do on your own. He gives you a vision that is so big, you could only do it through the Holy Spirit. You could only do it with him on your side. So when God gives you something, a picture, an image, a download, and you look at it and you say, ooh, kind of freaked out here. I could never do this. Amen. You could never do it. Thank you, Jesus. We're not alone. We got the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And we're called to do things outside of our own effort, outside of our own ability. Yeah. So we got a little bit freaked out in our flesh. And, and, and Lisa and I, we spend a lot of time in the Word. But this one time, instead of just going to the Word and looking up a scripture, Lisa heard the Lord say specifically, I want you to go read 1 Chronicles 28. Read it out loud. In her mind, she didn't know exactly what that passage was about. But when we opened the Bible, it said David's instructions to Solomon. So this was as David, uh, right before he was about to die, and it was instructions he gave his son, who would be the next king, and a very prosperous king. I'm going to read part of it to you. David continued to Solomon, Be strong and courageous. 
and do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. He will see to it that all the work related to the temple of the Lord is finished correctly. The various divisions of priests and Levites will serve in the temple of God. Others with skills of every kind will volunteer, and officials and the entire nation are at your command. Man, that spoke to everything we were experiencing all at once. The fear of we'd be alone in the thing the Lord called us to do. The fear or the anxiety that said you won't be able to do the big thing that God has put into your heart. He told us to open up the Bible, read this passage, and that is what it says. That's the full report. The full report is right there. And talk about it being specific. We go back to this to this day all the time when we begin to feel overwhelmed. When something in front of us looks like it's too much, we go back, we we don't just say, hey, remember what God said. We do say that. But we also take the time to pick up a Bible, even if we know it by heart. I could repeat it and I could say it by heart, but I pick this up and I read it all the time. I read it again, this exact passage, just this morning. And let me tell you how specific and miraculous the Lord is. Uh, five years ago, we were looking into doing some major renovations here. The, the church, the building was really outdated. It, we needed lots of new stuff. We needed a new sound system. We needed, uh, we, had, we had, I think, one of our four AC units was pumping. We needed like a new AC and heating unit. Y'all know those are expensive, right? That's, that's five figures just right there at least. We wanted to redo everything. And, and a lot of you guys know Elijah. My friend Elijah was here, a part of our church, doing sound every week at that time. And he's telling me, uh, I, can, I, can, I can run a renovation. I'm really good at stuff like that. Like, and I knew he was. He's a great carpenter. He's a music producer. He's a man that wears many hats. But he, he gives me this proposal. He gives me this idea uh, to, to start this process of very expensive renovations. And we heard the Lord say, let's do it. On paper, I mean, it would have been out of the budget. It didn't make a ton of sense. I wasn't going to write a big check. I was just going to, I said, well, here's what we can do. Let's start the process and we'll pay for things uh, as it happens. But if it, if it starts becoming too much, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to pull the plug. We're not going to go into debt for this at all. Right? I'm still very nervous about it. And God said, go read 1 Chronicles 28. So we read this again. I'll send the priest. I'll send the Levites. Do the work. Be strong and courageous. And then we heard the Lord say, turn the page. Elijah is a carpenter. He's skilled at so many things. And he has a studio called the threshing floor. The next chapter, David says, there is a man who is skilled in every area at the threshing floor who will be available to help you through this building of the temple. That's very specific. So you know what? I called Elijah and I said, hey, what's step one? And he said, well, let's see how many guys can stay after church Sunday and rip carpet up. I know a lot of you are here. Tom was here. I have a picture of Tom and Joe pulling carpet up that very day. We went forward, took a step. And by the end of those renovations, in real dollars, $75,000 went into that renovation. Out of our church account, less than $7,000 were spent. We did it with 100% volunteer labor, which I don't even know how much labor would have costed with a, with a renovation that much. I mean, we're talking six figures at least just for the labor. And by the end of these six weeks, it was all done and complete. And we paid cash for the parts we paid with. We didn't go into debt. And it was awesome. And listen, that's just a physical building. That's just a sound system. I'm not making more of that than it is. It was a huge deal. But that's just like physical stuff. 
How much more is God ready to take care of the big stuff, the spiritual stuff, the stuff that's, that's beyond just brick and a, and, and a new floor and a new sound system and things like that? If he takes care of the lilies and the sparrows, how much more will he take care of you? If, if ripping up carpet and things like that is important, then how much more important is it when he says, go into the nations, go into this thing I've called you to go into? You'll see the provision as you remember First step, the report of the Lord. And if you don't know it, get to know the report of the Lord. Amen? Yeah. And that's just one of the three things. I thought I would get to all three today. That means we got two and three, hopefully, next week. I'm, I'm not going to try to put too much in here. I didn't, it's like the only time I can remember in recent history I haven't worn my watch. So I thought this morning I'd just be unaware of the time and see what happens. I'm actually more aware, actually, somehow. I'm like, it's I don't know how that works, but remember, learn the report of the Lord. If you're not seeing success, then maybe you're not meditating on the word and the report of the Lord. Joshua 1.8, read this, meditate on it so that you will obey everything in it. Only then will you find success and prosperity. As the band comes up, I'm going to read that one more time, word for word. Joshua 1.8. Write it down. Learn this one. Remind yourself in the middle of the day tomorrow, tonight, when you go into your office, when you're talking to your children. This isn't just about success and, and, and work and things like that. I mean, as a parent, I have a goal every day to successfully parent my children. I have a goal as a husband to love my wife the way Christ loves the church. And, you know, that's not something you can do in your own strength. I saw a, uh, a meme or something this week and... I don't know, some lady wrote this thing. She said, some lady slid into my husband's DMs, but I am all over his nerves. We are not on the same level. And I thought, that's really funny, right? Like somebody sent him a message. She's like, but I'm the only person getting on his nerves. How many times is marriage? You know, you have those days. You're like, we are just getting on each other's nerves. Called to love her like Christ loves the church. She's called to love. We have decisions to make daily. And as you make those, it can't be in your own strength. You will find success in everything from marriage to raising children to your job, to your just thriving within your community, friendship, wherever you're not seeing success. Go to the word, get the report of the Lord and see it succeed. It is that simple. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let's respond to the word. Let's respond to the word again by just putting our attention, our focus on him. This is the best response we could have. The Lord speaks. The Lord plants a seed inside of our hearts and we just say thank you. What a powerful way. When you put a seed in the ground, it's great. It's got to get water. It's got to get sunlight. Worship, thankfulness. This is like sunlight and water to the seed that is within our heart today. So let's all stand together. For just a few moments, let's just worship, and then I'll come back up and invite our prayer ministers and close us out. Father, we are so thankful that you have given us a good report, and that report is the final word. It is the final say-so. In Romans chapter 12, you told us that if we don't renew our mind to that report, then we will just simply conform to the report this world gives. So we right now make a decision. I make a decision 
to throw out the world's report from this point forward or any other report that says anything different from yours. Whose report will you believe? I will believe the report of the Lord. FCG will believe the report of the Lord. Thank you, Father.